Well, it's good to be here. I was thinking about this this morning that um, I came here to plant E3 uh, about 14 years ago, back in uh, 2003. And before that, uh, I taught at my church in, in California uh, for about three years, uh, what, about 17 years. I uh, pretty much have taught just about every Sunday except uh, uh, toward the latter years, you know, I, I would have a few weeks off and uh, uh, I was like thinking about it, I was like, wow, I haven't, I haven't preached or taught uh, in, in a long time, like longer than it's been in, in almost two decades. So, uh, give me a little bit of uh, grace as I kind of like get my get my preaching motor uh, going again. But I'm very excited to be back here at E3. I mean, I'm here every Sunday anyway, but I'm not here in this position uh, uh, this this morning. So I was thinking about this series, the grind, and just uh, as we go through and and we're really going through different psalms uh, throughout this series and and overlaying that in the grind of our life. And today, specifically, we're going to be talking about uncertainty. And I was really thinking about that word, uncertainty, and just like, what's the significance of that, of that word, and really in our daily lives? And really, the question is, what are we uncertain about, right? Are we uncertain about our jobs? Are we uncertain about, about our relationships? Are we uncertain about, about God? You know, what are, what are we really talking about? And I had to really dig in, into that just to kind of get some clarity of just like, what is this whole idea of uncertainty? And um, I think that, you know, there's a couple of different types of people. Some people are very adverse to uncertainty in their lives. The unknown is terrifying to them. And, and I was thinking about that. And a lot of us, uncertainty equates to fear. The fear of the unknown. And uh, for others, uh, that the uncertainty is, uncertainty is exhilarating. One of my favorite movies is Parenthood with Steve Martin. Remember that? And remember uh, the old senile grandma uh, was talking about the, the roller coaster of, of life and how the character of Steve Martin hated that. He just wanted a, a flat path. And, and his wife, you know, loved the ups and downs and just uh, the difference in personalities and the difference of people's tolerance level for risk. And I think uh, this idea of uncertainty, uh, uncertainty is, is okay. Uncertainty is not a sin. But uncertainty that stops us from living out the life that God has envisioned for us is sin. That when we say we don't know, so we will fail to act. And honestly, last week, if you're here and Pastor Eric finishing up the generosity series, talking about, you know, this whole idea of, of being faithful with what you have. And that's where actually I'd like to start today. We're actually going to be in Psalm 23. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to uh, uh, turn to Psalm 23. And we're going to go through that as just as in our lives, how do we move through uh, this, this kind of uh, barrier or, for some of us, cloud of uncertainty uh, that, that could be exhilarating or limit 
what we do and what God has called us to do. And in verse 1 in Psalm 23, it, it starts out, this you know, famous uh, psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. And I thought about this idea like, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. And it made my mind go to all sorts of different places because I think so many of us, we think, hey, you know what? If I had uh, truly all that I need, I would do so many great things. You know, what was like the super lotto? I think I saw on one of the billboards is like $250 million or, or something like that. You think, oh, you know what? You know, going back to the generosity series, if I won the super, super lotto, you know, I would have all I need. I'd be so generous and I would do so much good in the world. But that's contrary to the way God works, right? You know, this whole idea that, that uh, you know what? Peter uh, uh, didn't walk on water until he took a step out of the boat. There was great uncertainty and probably a lack of wisdom going on in that story, right? The Red Sea did not part until Moses took a step into the water. A million people looking at Moses, the leader. You think there was some uncertainty there? Yes, there, but did it stop him? God, I'll, I'll walk and cross the Red Sea after you part it. That seems reasonable to me. But we look again and again in the Bible, and we see stories that, that you know what? We don't have situational certainty. We have certainty in the sovereign God of the universe. We have certainty that God has called us to great things, which we will get into. And I was thinking about this, I have all I need. And Pastor Eric was talking about Moses, right, uh, last week, and, and, and Moses was encountering God, and, and God said, what's in your hand? Moses said, I have a staff. He's like, lie it down, right? And then he did some miracles, and he's like, pick it back up. This is all you need. And then he went to the, to the feeding of the 5,000. I love this, right? That the feeding of 5,000, Jesus could have easily just said like, hey, look under your tunic. Hey, you know, there's some Chick-fil-A. Everybody eat, right? No problem for God. But that's not what he did. He said, what do you have? What is in your hand? Don't get too angry, but sometimes I think, you know, and I, I wholly believe in supernatural miracles. But off, the feeding of the 5,000, sometimes I think that the miracle of the 5,000 is the miracle of people being generous with what they have. And God actually did a bigger miracle than feeding the 5,000. He did a miracle in 5,000 people's hearts to share with what was in their hand. And nobody went without. I had the uh, great fortune to uh, get a living illustration, a modern uh, illustration from a man uh, 
uh, from Nepal uh, just last week. Uh, his, his name is Hari Bandari, and he has an amazing story. He was sitting there, and, and he was telling about what he's been doing in Nepal. And if you bring up the, the first slide, uh, he, he started uh, with, with, a, with a small school, and then he, he built a clinic, and then he built a, a, a water tower that's bringing fresh water to a bunch of people. Here, go back. Let me go through that really quick. He's also got a marketplace going on and, and things like that. And here, here's uh, some, this is the, the clinic. And the next picture is, here's, uh, here's uh, some of the school children in, in his school that he started. Uh, here's the, the water tower uh, that brings fresh water to a whole city. Um, I think, is there one more or is there not? No, and then there's uh, this marketplace that he's starting to... Uh, to help bring uh, uh, artisans together and around to give them access to a marketplace. And he's talking about, like, basically he is, uh, in, in a city, I think he said about 100,000 people, uh, he's been able to do this. And I remember talking to him afterwards, and I'm like, man, you know, are you from a rich family? Or, or he's like, and, he, and he's like, no, I, I, I don't have any money. I didn't have any money. And, I, and I'm like, well, how did, all, how did all of this start? And he said, I was sitting in my village. And I saw a little girl going to the, to the rice fields and, and, and realizing that, that she is going to be doing that for the rest of her life. And he said, what can I do? And he looked around and he said, I had a pen. I had a piece of paper. And I had a book. And that's all I had to... He said, you know what? I'm going to start teaching her. And from there, he grew the school. And what he started realizing when the school was growing, he started seeing that the children were sick. And he said, what do I have? And he said, you know what? I've met some people along the way. I'm going to bring some doctors in. And we're going to start caring for these people in Nepal. So they built the clinic. During the clinic, they're sitting there and they started seeing that 80% of the diseases that they were seeing in the clinic were waterborne diseases. He said, What do I have? He's like, There's clean water under the ground. And he started taking his pen and his paper and started writing people. He raised $2.5 million and built that, that water tower, and they have virtually eradicated uh, uh, waterborne diseases in, the, in, this, in this city in Nepal. And now he's sitting there and saying, we have healthy people that can work and smart, and he's like, you know what? What do I have? What is in my hand? He says, you know what? I have, I have space. I have connections. I connect artisans and, and, and uh, with these people in Nepal to be able to give them economic stability. And I, I told Hari, that's the story, man. Like, all of that started because you asked the question, what is in my hand? I have a pen. I have a piece of paper, and I have a book. He didn't win the lottery. 
He looked at what was in his hand. And this is one thing that I am absolutely convinced of, that each and every one of us has something in our hand. And there is uncertainty in the circumstance that you are going to face this afternoon, tomorrow, and the next day. But there is no uncertainty that God has called you to great and marvelous things. There is no uncertainty that God wants you to be the hope of the world. In verse 2, he continues on and he says, He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. And the reality is that a lot of times when we, we step out and we, and we cast a compelling vision that we believe has come from God, that, that God wants children to be able to read and write so they can read his word, that God wants people to be healthy and not be condemned by uh, people who've not been wise stewards of his creation and have them have disease, that God wants people to be empowered so that they can can connect with other people to have a more civil and just society where people can uh, actually hear the gospel in their spirit instead of hearing the gospel out of their physical need. And when we go and we have a God-honoring vision to disrupt the status quo and the status quo from the enemy, because the enemy enslaves, the enemy isolates to disrupt that, to bring people into community, to connect them with God and people, that there's going to be resistance, there's going to be anxiety. I know all about anxiety. I know about unhealthy anxiety, and I know about anxiety that's just from anxious situations, and there's a difference. It took me a long time to learn the difference between the two, but there is a difference. And God says, you know what? In Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I share this verse because, number one, it's connected to Psalm 23, but it's also connected to this idea of uncertainty. And this is why Pastor Eric and I feel that journaling is so important. We are forgetful people. And left to our own devices, and you see it again and again in the Bible, and, and honestly, you see it again and again in our lives, that we forget that God is faithful, and we think that we have to control a situation, and we control it out of our anxiety, and we hold and hold and hoard and hoard, and when we hold and hold and hoard and hoard, we are falling into the snare of the trap of the devil. And when we are generous, we tap into the very nature of God. In verse 3, continues on, he says, He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And I, 
Love this kind of this two thing right here. Number one, he renews my strength. And it brings me to uh, remember First uh, Peter chapter four, verses 11, where Peter is talking about living out the vision that God has called for us. If you're generous, then be super generous. If you have the gift of helping help, if you can teach, then teach with all the power that God supplies. Not in your own power, because your power is finite, but we serve an infinite God. His well is deep. And that our lives as Christians should not be out of need or compulsion, but being so filled with the Holy Spirit that our vessel, our lives, fill up so much with the Holy Spirit and with life that it overflows and gets everyone else wet. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then the second part of that, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. You know what? So many times I've had conversations with people and I've had conversations with myself. Some of the best conversations I've ever had, by the way. <laughs> I am an insightful, wise person. Uh, yeah, and humble. One of the humblest people you'll ever meet. Uh, I don't even know what I was going to say now. Uh, <laughs> and focused. Man, I, I'm, like a, I'm like a laser beam. So, um, honored to... Oh, oh, right paths, right paths. No, I have conversations with, with, with people that, that, you know, it's like, you know, I'm a, you know, I don't know which path to choose. You know, I'm... A, you know, and I, and, and I get that, you know, it's like, oh, you know, should I go here or should I do this or, or, or whatever? And I think that we cause ourselves so much anxiety and we try to put that on ourselves. Let me ask you a question. This is what I ask everybody when they're, they're trying to decide what to do. Do you have a heart for God? Is your decision based in where you are going to have the highest impact for God? If the answer is yes, do you really believe if you choose the wrong direction and the wrong path, God's going to say, man, I had so much hope for that person. Oh, well, good luck. You know, no, absolutely not. You know what? The path is secondary to your heart to follow God, because I can tell you, that if you choose the wrong path, God will let you know. A lot of times I look at, at life, in, in my life actually, my life as, as a maze. Uh, you, ever, you ever do mazes? As a kid, I used to love doing mazes. And, and you know, you're going along, you're going along. And, and what's the goal in a maze? To get, get to the end, to get through the maze. So, when you go through the maze, have you ever gone down a path thinking, hey, I'm going to, you know, this is the right one, you hit a dead end? Yep. Yeah, we all have. What do you do? You just turn back around and you find a new path. It's life. You hit a dead end? Yeah. You turn around. Most of my life is turning around from dead ends. It really is. You know, and what, what am I meant to do? What are you meant to do? Oh, well, give up? Stay there? Come on, man. 
You know, that is, that is not life. And to get bummed out about it is like, eh, I thought this was the path. Turn around and find the right path. And, or keep going down paths until you find that path. And you get to the other side. That is the joy and, and the beauty of following God and seeking and, ha- and knowing assurance that, you know what? He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to walk away from you. He's not going to say, oh, they, I, man, they picked the wrong path. They're out. That's what makes life interesting. How exciting would a maze be if it was just two parallel lines? <laughs> Who wants that? I don't. And honestly, you don't either. As we go on, verse 4, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close behind me, for your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. And again, this comes down to sovereignty and, and mazes. And this, in this illustration, you know, in another version, so, you know, though I walk through the valley of the, uh, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You cannot get to the mountaintop unless you go through the valley. God's truth is everywhere. And you don't go from mountaintop to mountaintop. You got to come down the mountaintop. You got to walk through that valley. And sometimes that valley is a swamp. And sometimes that valley is, is easy but most of the time, that valley is hard. But again, this comes down to, we're not walking this alone. Those of you uh, who are, are uh, following Jesus, you know, that, that this is, you are not by yourself. And that's one of the beautiful things, is we are invited into community with the one true living God. And when we are part of the church, we are to walk this together. Verse 5, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. And in Romans uh, chapter 15, in verse 13, Paul writes this, He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. And again, God does not ask us to be certain in the situation. Quite the contrary. That a situational faith is no faith at all. That our faith is is that God is bigger than any situation that we are facing. Our faith is that, you know what, even though we may be surprised that we just hit a dead end in our life maze, God is not surprised. That our trust is in Him. And then the last verse, surely 
Your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And this is really where we come and we have our assurance. Our assurance that God's goodness and His unfailing love will pursue you all the rest of the days of your life. That promise isn't if you take the right path, if you walk flawlessly, if you do everything, you know, absolutely correctly. No. His goodness and His unfailing love will pursue you all the days of your life. And you know what? You are assured, if you are a follower of Christ, if you have accepted His forgiveness and you follow Jesus, that, that you will live in the house of the Lord forever. But again, uncertainty, we're going to have uncertainty. Uncertainty is a beautiful thing. If it's a situational uncertainty. And if that is sitting on the foundation of our certainty in our Lord Jesus Christ, that He is sovereign. Every time that I have anxiety and I have fear, and believe me, I have anxiety and I have fear about going forward, about stepping out, about casting vision, about trying to raise resources to do what I believe God has put in my hand to do. And when I start finding myself paralyzed by fear, I always go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And this is gospel truth, literally. That God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Fear... And being timid is straight from the pit of hell if that's stopping you from doing what God has called you to do. That is not from God. What is from God is power, empowerment, love, and discipline. And you know what? With power, love, and self-discipline that is being flowed from God to you, that, yeah, you may hit some dead ends and you may have some uncertainty, but you can be certain that you will experience the Ephesians 2.10 promise that you are God's masterpiece, created anew to do the great things that he has called for you long ago. And I uh, saw an Instagram uh, post from a, a lady who used to live in Tallahassee and go to our church. And I just saw it this morning, I'm like, like a Holy, can the Holy Spirit use Instagram? I think he did this morning. And you can't really see this, but uh, uh, that, that painting there or whatever, the, the, the thing on the wall, it's from Esther. And it says, uh, perhaps, I don't know exactly what it says, but, but it's like, a, perhaps uh, I was created for just a moment as this. You know, it's from Esther and, and this, this idea that this, when we, when we see conflict, when we see uncertainty, when we see uh, challenges, when we see injustice, we should not say, 
try to shrink from it, but say, perhaps I was created for just a moment as this. To not shrink back in timidity or fear, but to tap into God's power, God's love, and our discipline from him. I want to just uh, to finish with this, with another psalm, and I, uh, I believe that, that God led me to this, and I wrote something uh, called uh, The Prayer of the Uncertain uh, this week, and I wanted to share it with you. It's uh, uh, found in Psalm uh, chapter 119. And it's just uh, verses 131 and 133. David writes this. I pant with expectation, longing for your commands. Come and show me mercy as you do for all who love your name. Guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by evil. And I broke this down uh, into three sections to posture, petition, and prevail. And if you're uncertain, you may want to go through this and pray your own thing. But as you look in verses 131, I pant with expectations, longing for your commands. This is a posture of expectation. When we go to the one living God, the creator of the universe, the the God who parted the Red Sea, who allowed Peter to walk on water, who fed the 5,000, a posture that, you know what, we are not petitioning an idol or a false God, but the one true living God. And that he calls us his own, his children, his daughters, his sons. And then also longing for him to give us direction. We're longing because we don't always just get it all, you know, just nicely just uh, in, a, in a box. And then petition. In verse uh, 132 and 133, we ask for grace. Come now and show me your mercy as you do for all who love your name and guide my steps by your word. So as we come with a proper posture and we come in petition, we ask for grace because we all need grace. And then we ask for guidance. And then I believe that this psalm switches us over and moves us into prevailing. In verse 133, so I will not be overcome by evil. And I think a lot of times we think about that in the sense of uh, being overcome in a negative sense. Um, and that didn't really come out right. Like, that would always be in a negative sense. But I mean, like, evil, like, blowing you up or, or putting you in a cage or something like that, right? But you know what? Sometimes the greatest evil is when we are overcome by evil because evil has, has convinced us that what God has put in our hand is inconsequential and is not enough. And when we look at our hands and we look at what God has entrusted to us and we are overcome by evil and we do nothing with what God has entrusted to us in our hands, the enemy wins every single time. So posture, petition, and prevail. 
And I believe if we come and we recognize God as the God of the universe and we petition him and tell him what we need, that we will prevail against the evil in this world. It says that you are inconsequential, that you don't have enough, or you are insignificant, because that is a lie straight out of the pit of hell. So I'm just going to close by praying my own prayer of the uncertain as the band uh, comes back up and, and uh, what I hope is through the going deeper that, that you will write your own uh, this week. Can you pray with me?